I've just woken up. <laughs> it's which mean you've just woken up? It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I, I had good intentions, but we did this lovely walk this morning. It's supposed to be rainy today, but it's been sunny and glorious. And we did a lovely walk round Arundel. Ended up having fish and chips in our garden, and 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 then the next thing I know, I seem to be in bed sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> I'm living the dream. Funnily enough, I was in bed yesterday afternoon yeah. about this time, but that's because I'm sick and ill. And Are in you? Pain. Why? Yeah. Oh, not your back. My back. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go on it about it in the podcast at all. Okay, good. Well, no one wants to hear it. Oh, <laughs> I'm all right. Don't worry about me. Oh, welcome everybody to. Oh. No, I'm all right. Welcome to. What is this? What episode? One one nine. I like to think of it as. Is it? Yeah. So we're not classing the Facebook live Zoomy thing as an episode. No, it's not really. No, I think that's so. One one nine. Yes. Brucey okay. bonus. All right. Let's let's go back and do this again then, as normal now. Okay. Welcome to episode one hundred and nineteen. One one nine of the. Um... Now you see, I remember oh, that. You know what? <laughs> you are so appalling. You really are in pain, aren't you? No, but that, the interesting thing there is, I got the number right. But forgot the name of the podcast. Forgot, forgot what podcast you were doing, because you do so, so many. Yeah. Huh. Yes, episode huh. 119, the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Me, Nick Page, him, yeah. Joe Davis. Here we are. Yeah. We're having an interview this week with Jeff Lucas being talked to by a fanboy. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. I'm, I can only apologise unreservedly <laughs> for that. The thing is, the thing is, I felt sorry for him because... Poor guy, he's mm. he just come off a two-hour Zoom meeting, and you know I'd been I'd been asking you know if he'd come on the podcast because I really wanted to get him on because he's just lovely, isn't he? I mean, who who doesn't like Jeff Lucas? He's great, isn't very he? very good. Yeah, he's a fabulous yeah. guy, incredible communicator, and just good. Mm. And I thought oh, he's likely to be tired, but the brutal truth is he was fresh as a daisy. I mean, he was mm. absolutely, and I was absolutely off my tree with tiredness. <laughs> and it was just shocking. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even listen to it back. It was, I was so embarrassed. It was terrible, but no, it was fine. No, it wasn't. Partly, it was it shocking. Was, well, no, it was a little bit, but, but, but you know, I think it also is make, you're always enthusiastic about your guests, people no. you talk to. And I think well, especially, really especially when that guest is Jeff Lucas. Yes. No, I, wasn't easy. Well, you see, now you're being gushing now. You know, no, no, you don't I, need to carry on now. No, but I can do it to you because I'm a big fan of you as no. well, and you know that. Um, <sighs> anyway, I did call him completely irrelevant at one point. That was very good. <laughs> Which I, that, that was an excellent um, <laughs> Freudian story. So we should... Anyway, why don't we get... I should tell you what, we, we, we'll we get straight into the interview, I think, because okay. you're on holiday. I'm I am. in pain, which I haven't mentioned, but I no, am you in haven't. pain. Well, and uh, and so let's have the interview. I don't think there's any more. And given that this is going out in, what, two weeks' time from after we're recording it, yeah. it's, we're not going to do any of that nonsense about what you're getting up to. So uh, without more ado, let's, hit, let's get into this interview. We should also say that uh, you recorded it in Skype, apparently in yeah. your toilet. Uh, I don't know where you were. No, it just doesn't record well, does it, over the normal bits? You know, it's not our normal high-quality, high-fidelity 
uh, you know, <laughs> carefully crafted audio that we like to do. But it, the qu- but it doesn't matter because it's Jeff Lucas, for heaven's sake. Jeff. And, and, it's, and it's great stuff. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. And uh, I'm delighted to say I'm here with the lovely Jeff Lucas, uh, who's joining us. Welcome to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, Jeff. Joe, I'm not often described as lovely, so I like you already. <laughs> But you know, I think you are lovely. Oh, well, that's nice. This is a bit of a love fest, isn't it? It is. I've followed your writings for so many years uh, in, in, um, you know, Christianity magazine and the books you've written. Here, look, I can can show you. Sorry, the listeners can't see us. I'm holding up Lucas out loud. Hanging the boat. There's one of Grace Choices. And I I thought I'll go to my shelf and get down all my Jeff Lucas books to show him and impress him. They're all gone. And that means I've lent them to people who have not given them back to me. This is and this is Uh. the Constant. That's really good for the spreading of the message. Pretty lousy for royalties, but of course, yeah, I can't use your own <laughs> yeah, you, you're deserve thousands of pounds more. Yeah. Anyway, listen for the benefit of people who don't know. And now I know you're an international author and speaker and broadcaster because that's what it says all over the internet, by the way. But uh, right. for the benefit of people who don't know, tell us a bit about who you are and, and where you are. In fact, at the moment, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, just outside Arundel at the moment uh, in the south right. of England. Uh, should have been back in Colorado because I'm mm. a teaching pastor at Timberline Church in mm. uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm married to Kay. We have two kids and two grandsons uh, mm. with whom we are obsessed, both the kids and the grandsons, to be fair. Mm. And um, I kind of have a bit of a, I think they call it portfolio lifestyle, Joe, which can be code mm. for, for chaos. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm at Timberline I don't know, 70% of my time, but then I write Christianity Mag, daily Bible reading notes, Mm. uh, books. Um, I'm a life coach trained in the life plan process, so I I do some of that. And then I broadcast um, Premier Radio and a few other things as well, but I just can't remember them right now. But um, quite quite a bit of stuff. International is a very interesting interesting (laughs) term. I mean, you know, does does that include you know, going to France for two days to pick up some wine. I'm not <laughs> yeah, <sure>. obviously. <laughs> but it does mean that, um, it does mean that I've traveled a lot. I mean, uh, two million miles on one airline, which it's a good thing this is not video really, because that's why I look like I do. I'm only 27, but all this. <laughs> yeah, rather hard <laughs> life. No, I'm, 60, I'm 64 this year. Are you? I am, and I am haunted by that song, Will You Still Need Me? Will You yeah. Still Need Me? Et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah. You look, you look good on 64, though. Well, I, you know, oh, I'm you lovely. Know. I look good. I tell you, you what, mate, this get, is getting You better. keep yourself in shape, do you? Yeah, well, six and a half mile walk today. And um, yeah. we're trying to walk 25 to 30 miles a week during these strange, strange yeah. times in which we find ourselves. Well, listen, okay, I'm not going to dwell on this because, you know, as, as we were saying before we went on there, you know, we are British. But here's something I really love about your writing. In fact, in a way, you, you in some respects in your writings, have been the precursor to the podcast. So we're called Mid-Faith Crisis because we recognise that a lot of Christians sort of hit this point in their development of their faith where they're just sort of scratching their heads and go, what, is this it? You know, there's got to be more. Um you know, and, um, you know, they've perhaps gone through a process where they've been serving in the church, be all enthusiastic, and the enthusiasm has waned. And 
what I love about you, and I'm going to say people like Rob Parsons and you know my old boss Steve Chalk and everything is, you're running the race. You're still here. You're still going, and 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 in actual fact, you're still passionate about it, and that's that's so inspiring for many of us. So you know that's why I was so keen to get you on this podcast Jeff and you still love you Kay and Kay still loves you from the sounds of it which you know I think that's that's good going as well you know you haven't you it's haven't sort of, it's sort of helpful really yeah <laughs> you haven't burnt out along the way and, and what I like about your writings is you know there's they're slightly irrelevant uh, slightly irreverent <laughs> not irrelevant that was a good what? Freudian slip <laughs> I tell you what things just went seriously downhill then didn't they <laughs> so irreverent so cheeky and yet so hopeful and grace-filled um and i think that's what struck me you know i was uh, I, I i must confess i don't subscribe to christianity magazine anymore because actually came to a point where all i was reading was the back bit of your page mm-hmm. uh, and i wasn't really i think it went, in fairness they went to a page where they were being a bit nasty to my old friend steve and so i thought oh i don't know i don't want to pay all this for it right. uh, so i have to buy your books now when i want to read you oh, not a good <laughs> that, choice that is too <laughs> But, um, but that, like I say, I think what's important for me is that, you know, you are running the race. You, you have kept going. And um, so, I mean, just, just, just to start, we're, we're, we'll get into this in a bit. But I, I just wanted to ask you, first of all, you know, we're in lockdown. You've already said you're walking loads. What's, what's bringing you life at the moment? How are you staying energised and sane? Well, I, I've discovered about myself, Joe, that I, I'm slightly addicted to productivity. And so um, when I when all of this stuff kicked in, I had these massive ex- expectations. I've got, you know, two books to finish and, and Bible notes, and I'm always living with deadlines. So I thought I was going to be steaming through. Sorry about that noise. Uh, I was going to be steaming through all kinds of work. And I've sort of had to cut myself a bit of slack. Um, I realized a few weeks ago that there's something called allostatic load. Have you heard about that? No. Allostatic load is basically when you, you're constantly imbibing information, which is what we're doing right now. We're tuning into the news. We're getting yet more updates. And um, it's mostly bad news, sometimes awful news. Um, you're not sleeping as well, perhaps, as you normally would. You've got expectations of yourself, and that produces guilt. And you are not getting the stimulus of regular social interaction. And the combination of all of that, apparently, is called allostatic load. And so um, what I've done is I think I've reduced my expectations of myself a bit. And I've actually, I mentioned the walking earlier. That has been a real lifeline just to get out there and and to get out and, you know, one benefit during this horrendous season has been glorious weather. And obviously with with all of the restrictions going on, just getting out there. Um, But I can't, you know, I'd really like to tell you that this has been a season where I've dug a deeper well and, you know, like 
sort of memorize Leviticus and yeah, generally... we love we love those kind of cliches on this podcast. <laughs> well, exactly, but, you know, that's not that's really not happened. And actually, I've got to just say that most of my prayers have been a mixture of gratitude and complaining. I've done a lot of complaining, and you're amongst friends here. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm encouraged. You know, I I did a an online teaching thing a few weeks ago on the book of Jonah. And I love it in Jonah chapter four, it says, and Jonah was angry and he prayed. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't wait until somehow, you know, God had zapped him and he got rid of his anger. And he wasn't just angry about life. He was seriously miffed with God. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't just the circumstances, but actually he brought his frustration and his anger into his prayer life. And I think I've been doing some of that. And and it's not that I've got, silly expectations that somehow we shouldn't yeah. shouldn't have these awful things happen to us but i've done a fair amount of complaining but quite a lot of being grateful as well so that's sort of that sort of kept yeah. me going, together with lot, quite a lot of work demands as well i love that that paradox of gratitude and complaining and and also i think it makes a really healthy spirituality and emotional life to be able to just say i'm, I'm going to god with whatever's around thank you yeah. yeah well i mean if i can just say this i i've been thinking a lot about this that god wants us to externalize our internal dialogue that that conversation that's going on inside yeah. us and i think that's what prayer is really supposed to be you know god says to adam whatever you think however you interpret that story god says to adam where are you? Well, he knew where he was. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted him to say where he was. And then he says to Elijah, who's parked That's in a cave, funny. singing, we shall not be moved. And he says, what are you doing there? And twice, he repeats the question, twice, Elijah repeats the same response, word for word. He says to Jonah, have you got any right to be angry? He asks questions. Yeah. He wants to excavate what's going on inside us and get under our skin and allow us to honestly, authentically express that to him. And to me, I mean, I know prayer is not just about, you know, being clinically better for us and all of that. I know it's about partnership. I know it's about changing the cosmos, but actually it is also about being able to express what, what's going on. And so finding that has been quite useful over the last few weeks. I love what you're saying. And I think, um, you know, I know you're quite uh, active on social media as well. I'm never really sure whether Facebook and social media is good for my mental health or not. And I think definitely this, you know, this last weekend with the whole Cummings fiasco, Dominic Cummings, and just the, again, I haven't seen it since Brexit, this kind of onslaught of rage, you know, both sides are right. The right are defending Dominic, the left are layering, lashing out at him, and really polarizing the issues. How do you navigate that? I mean, I, you know, I saw you'd written a fairly, fairly nice, conciliatory, grace-filled post, but how, how do you deal with the angst social media can bring? Well, I mean, I think you have to take a lot of it with a grain of salt. I've already decided yeah. that, that if Facebook had been around before I became a Christian back in Victorian times, uh, <laughs> I probably would not have become a Christian because 
Facebook seems to be a magnet for Christian stupidity. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I just, so, so much of it, I just don't buy, you, you know. You've looked at our Facebook page. Then. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It's like, yeah, no, you know, no, yeah, saying, exactly. I mean, I do believe that God can speak into these situations, but suddenly, you know, the so-called prophets show up and I'm thinking, why didn't you show up three months ago and tell us that this was going to happen? We could have ordered a few ventilators, you know, and I don't mean that yeah. in a trivial yeah. way. You see, you've got all this yeah. madness that, that, <laughs> yeah. that goes on. And yet at the same time, it is a really useful tool because every one of us, including yourself, obviously right now, you know, are able to use the resources technologically that we've got to become your own broadcasting unit. And that's, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's yeah. pretty brilliant. The Dominic Cummings thing, I'm really confused about it actually, mm. because at one level, you know, you want a free press who can ask the difficult questions. And we've got, you've got a president who says, don't ask me that. That's a, that's a nasty question. That's a nasty question. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, under that. Yeah. He doesn't like know, nasty questions. That's the, <laughs> frankly, that's, that's the, the language of the five-year-old in the playground. It's a very nasty question. I think he must have been, been dental or something, but you've got, <laughs> got all of that going on. Um, I, and yeah, I don't think it's really nice to be parking a big video screen outside the chap's house and bombarding him with that. I just wish someone could say, look, I'm, I'm a dad and I made decisions that probably in hindsight were not the best. If I didn't break the law, and we can argue about that, some people definitely yeah. think he did. Yeah. If I didn't break the law, I definitely broke the spirit of the law and I should be way above that. So look, I am really sorry. Many people yeah. have made sacrifices. I am sorry. I'd love to have the opportunity to continue to help the country. Would yeah. you please accept my humble apology? I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, Joe, but I think maybe we might say, go on then. That's all. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree. I completely I mean, agree. We've become, I think it was Janet Street Porter who a few years ago, I think pre-Brexit, she coined the phrase shouty Britain. And that's yeah. what we've become. We don't yeah. dialogue anymore. No. We don't. No. Actually, listen, what we do is we pop our heads above the trenches, lob a stun grenade over the top, and then duck for cover. What, and that's I, no place to learn. I know, and sorry is seen as such a weakness. I mean, as St. Elton said, you know. It, it Always seem, seems to be the hardest word. It does, yeah, yeah. We're seeing that in America where instead of saying, I think I might have messed this up by just saying it's a bit of flu, yeah. 100,000 people are dead. Yeah. I mean, you know, to actually not adopt a, a position of humility, because, we're, you know, I mentioned it, and, mm. you know, in, in the staying in the boat book, we're all broken. Yeah. We're all, we're all busted people. The idea, yeah. the idea that those who lead countries or churches are sort of fluorescent glow-in-the-dark superhumans who, who yeah, are wrong, I mean... That we're all broken and, and under construction in life, in faith. So why can't we just admit our fragility? Yeah. Um, but I, think well, I, I love that about your writings because that, that always, you know, a lot of the time you're sort of taking the mick out of yourself, I've noticed as well in some of those things and laughing at yourself. And sometimes you're pointing out the absurdities of other things in the church. But 
But like I say, back at the beginning, and thank you for mentioning that book, because I, th I thought this book was great, Staying in the Boat. I mean, you know, you were ripping it. <laughs> it seems to be a couple of times you might have ripped off <laughs> John Ortberg <laughs> as titles. <laughs> so this book is called Staying in the Boat and Other Things I Wish I'd Known. In fact, and then little writing across it, it says, if you want to walk on water, consider staying in the boat. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, <laughs> I, I think that came as a result of a solicitor's letter. Yeah. <laughs> Really. And actually, John Ortberg, in his excellent, uh, excellent book, if you want to walk yeah. on water, you have to get yeah. out the boat. He actually makes the point in his yeah. book that Peter wasn't doing spiritual bungee jumping when he got yeah. out of the boat, that he was doing that. I mean, it was his idea, which yeah. does suggest that God is open to suggestions, which again yeah. is what prayer is about. But he got out of the boat because Jesus beckoned him, but the other boys didn't. They stayed mm. in the boat, but we forget that. And we just got mm. this monochrome model that, yeah, yeah, I like you know, and yeah. if you're not stepping out, I mean, let's face it, as every, as every minister knows, sometimes it takes more faith to stay than it does to go. The grass <laughs> yeah. is greener. Yeah. So sometimes to stay in the boat, I, I know some ministers who'd say, I'd happily jump out tomorrow. Whether <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, know. I know one or two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, but if we could uh, just just get a little bit of humanity back, back into leadership, I think, can I just say this, Joe? Yeah. I think that, you know, we look at our political leaders who can't say sorry sometimes that's been transposed into the church where yeah. ministers and Christian leaders have confused being an example with projecting an image. And yeah. there's a difference, you know, um, yeah. I want to be an example, but I want that to be authentic as I, as I head in a redemptive direction. I don't want to stand up and say, listen, I'm sinning my brains out. Who wants to join me? I want yeah. to be someone who is pursuing Jesus. But the reality is you kindly said running the race my Christian walk is more than a, of a Christian stagger. So, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to invite people to join me in the journey, but I do so as a, not only as a fellow traveler, but as a broken idiot who's, who's most of his ministry has been a culmination of, 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 of absurd and embarrassing experiences and episodes through which I've learned a few spiritual lessons. At least yeah. I hope I have. Well, yeah. you, you've just perfectly explained exactly why I wanted to interview you on the podcast, because, again, what comes through your writings, Jeff, is this kind of humility and kindness and gentleness. So I want to sort of start teasing out just a bit of that. I mean, obviously, I could spend hours talking. In fact, I'd go through the whole book with you if I could and just learn some of that wisdom. But, you know, the subline was, you know, kind of things I wish I'd known earlier, a bit of wisdom I'd like to have told myself years earlier. And uh, I've got my kind of favourite chapters uh, in there. But I wonder what, what kind of, you know, what are the, the things you look back on there? What are the big things for you that you kind of maybe wish you'd known a bit earlier? I think one of the major ones, Joe, is, is that the gift of disillusionment is priceless. <laughs> that, um, title. You know, because I know, you know, um, I, I've come to the conclusion that if you're going to have any kind of, spiritual maturity and i don't even like that phrase because actually it, it implies some sort of pomposity that is more associated with pharisees than disciples but wh whatever that means you've got to allow jesus to disillusion you we spent most of not most 
he spent much of his time disappointing people. The Pharisees were sort of floating around, biting his ankles proverbially, um, <laughs> saying, why didn't you do this? And why don't you, why don't you wash your hands there? Oh, that's a bit local uh, or current, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> but, you know, why aren't you fasting? Why aren't you like John the Baptist snacking on locusts? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing... And then the disciples as well, you know, they want to send the kids away. And he says, he's, he's angry and upset. He says, don't do that. Um, I think Judas... I think Judas blew out on Jesus because he was disappointed with him. Uh, Judas, like any good Jewish lad, would have wanted the hated Romans to be kicked out from Israel. He didn't want Jesus to be crucified by them. And so there are some commentators who think that the whole Judas kiss thing was a setup to try and provoke Jesus having been arrested to begin an uprising and for therefore the hope of Israel to be fulfilled. In fact, even at the beginning of the book of Acts, they're they're still banging on saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they had a set of expectations and Jesus was working to a completely different agenda. And I think we need to be disillusioned in in, uh, life. And the illustration I use in the book is that if you were born into a healthy family, you were born into an illusion. And the illusion was that you're the center of the universe. So if you need to mm. poo, you just poo. If you're hungry, you just scream because someone will come running. Well, that works when you're three months old, but do not try it when you're 25. It's not going to go well. We need to be disillusioned in marriage because in Hollywood, an image yeah. is presented, which is a myth. There is no morning breath. No one has drool on the pillow and no one snores during the night (laughs) perfect we need to be disillusioned in our churches otherwise we just go on a sort of church hopping safari looking for a better consumer product so i think to embrace disillusionment generally because when you're disillusioned you're divested of an illusion and you embrace a reality so I think we need that in our relationships and our churches, but actually with God as well. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. if our faith is in a vending machine God who, you know, the, we make our demands and out pops the product, well, you haven't got to hang around, you haven't got to hang around Jesus for very long to know that it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and, exactly. and those, you know, those, you know, sort of tv evangelists you know who suggest that if you just charge it to the visa card then that's going to bend god's ears a little more it just sets people up for more kind of emptiness and ache Mm. and and what we do then joe is we sell a christian faith that's not about the kingdom it's about the magic kingdom it's like some kind of yeah. disneyland yeah. existence <laughs> exactly and then we right. get we wonder why they wander off and say well th- this is not what i signed up for so one of the biggest things is that the gift of disillusionment can be a very precious thing and we probably yeah. all need to go through it at, at all different phases of life including our life with god uh, thank, just thank you for saying. That. I mean, and in, in, in essence, I think that sort of explains sort of something we've been saying, but in a, in a different way, really. That, that you know, mid faith, you know, it's good that you get to that point where you go, I don't know what I believe. God doesn't seem to be who I thought God was. The church doesn't seem to be what I thought it was. Nothing seems to be. I don't know what to do. And of course, what some people do then 
is they leave the church. They right. turn their back, they go, none of this makes any sense, or it's all a load of rubbish. But then, and here's the kicker, that's not very satisfying either. No, because now you're lonely and you're isolated. And there's that. So, so you're sort of damned if you stay and damned if you don't stay and everything. But navigating your way through that is, is you know, my language is navigating through the mid-faith crisis, coming out the other side of that. And, I, and I'm keen to sort of, you know, again, just that was wonderful. And just, just talk to you about, you know, here you are, you're 64. You only look, you know, not a day over 63. Um, <laughs> you look good. You do look good. So. I think, though, I mean, if if we're going to do that as well, we've got to keep interrogating because th- these things that Christians say. Because it seems to me, Joe, that when you become a follower of Jesus, you don't download a perfect set of ideas. All right, we've got scripture, but yeah. then we've got various interpretations of scripture. Yeah. But our view of what it means to be followers of him. It's a patchwork quilt construct of a thousand sermons and 3000 conversations over cups of tea on Sunday afternoon or whatever. Mm. And, and 10,000 worship songs we've sung. It's all a patchwork quilt built together. And so Christians say things and we sort of take them on board. I'll give you an example. I used to preach this. Christians say, well, of course, prayer's a conversation. Well, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, not. it is not. Most of the time. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> you know, so, so um, you know, we talk to God. I talk to God. And there are occasions, I wish there were more, when I sense this something inside yeah. me that seems a little bit like maybe his voice. I'm not quite yeah. sure. And it could be the chicken tikka masala from last night, <laughs> but it seems like it could be, but I don't know about you, but I don't get up in the morning and say to God, hello, God. And he says, Hey, how you doing? And we then enter into this conversation. But by saying prayer is a conversation, then when Christians slam into a wall of silence for days, weeks, months, and sometimes even years, as Mother Teresa confessed, then they're like, well, everyone else is having these happy little chats with God. So what's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with them. It's it's just that it's called faith. It's a bit like the doubt thing. You mentioned doubt. I mean, it's changed a bit these days, but saying that you had doubts was a little bit like theological herpes. You know, you just... <laughs> yeah, well put. <laughs> well, for which there is no cream. So, you know, that was all rather awkward. Whereas actually, the, the capacity to believe always carries with it the potential for not believing. And so one day, um, we'll see Jesus face to face, and that's what we believe. That's what we live by and live for. In the meantime, we don't see him face to face. And so I often like to say, if you occasionally doubt, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It just means you don't actually happen to be dead yet because you're still <laughs> yeah, exactly this right. side of that incredible reality that there will be. But we just need to get a little bit more honest about these things. Yeah, and, and, and honesty is so winsome. Um, I, I often think it's, a, it's such an attractive quality. So a lot, a lot of our listeners, you know, so because we're constantly getting sort of um, emails in saying, 
you know, people are, are so thankful for the podcast and everything. I imagine you get very similar letters. They're so thankful for your writings because there's a bit of authenticity and reality in discussion. What would you say to people who are really hitting that kind of spiritual wall where they're going, do you know, crises have happened. Faith isn't what I thought. You know, the church is not I'm not sure what to do now. What steps do I take? What, what would you say? And I'm sure you've dealt with this pastorally uh, in your church. How, how do you help people push through that? Well, to quote a friend of mine, Adrian Plass, I, I think I, I would say, hold your nerve. Um, and actually, years ago, Adrian said to me, look, Jeff, your feelings are not the barometer of your spirituality, which I found totally liberating because, you know, I've been to those meetings where the worship leader harassed everybody with the question, how's everybody doing? And we were all supposed to jump up, up and down and headbutt tambourines and be thoroughly ecstatic. Um, I, I've, I've learned, I think to not be too bothered about my feelings. And so I would say to people, when you feel nothing, hold your nerve, be honest, um, talk to your friends, build friendships where, where you can actually have conversations. And this can be quite difficult as well. You know, I've tried to have conversations with some friends interrogating some, not foundational doctrines, but interrogating some ideas doctrines that I'd sort of taken on board 40 years ago. And the moment I start the conversation, they say, are you changing your mind about your, your faith? And I'm like, no, I just want to talk about it. I'd like to, if it's true, it will take good interrogation and we should be able to discuss it rather than just blindly swallow it. Um, so I, I want to be in those kind of rugged friendships. And I think that, isn't that what, what you're doing, what you guys are doing? I think, I think so. I hope so. But I, I mean, I, I think I found it harder in a church context to do it. When I was a church leader, you know, they, they, I think a certain amount of control was wanted. You know, there was this fear that this group of backsliders who are meeting to express their doubts could spiral out of control. And so you kind of, it's hard sometimes if you're a leader to trust it. I wonder how you, I wonder what it's like to be a down to Timberline. Can you, can you express doubt? Are there places for you to go where you can question everything and you're not thrown out the church just because you're questioning the kind yeah. of perceived yeah, I th- dogma? I think the answer is yes and no. And let me explain that. I am very open. Um, the, the voice that I have in my books and broadcasting is the voice that I have at Timberline, I might be a little edgier in the UK context because it does seem that British Christians have got an appetite for that. It isn't that I'm editing myself. I'm just wanting to communicate in the most helpful way. Uh, and also, when I'm writing something, when I'm broadcasting, I'm not doing that as a, as a local minister, as a pastor. Yeah. And so I, I could unpack that further. It would probably just get a bit dull to explain it more. But there is a slight difference in tone. Having said that, Joe, there are some, I tell the Timberline congregation, there are, there are some things that I've placed in my mental pending file. And I'm not going to rush to preach about those subjects. In fact, I'm not going to preach about them at all. They're in my pending file. They're under investigation. Yeah. And some of those things have been there for years. Yeah, um, and I'm okay to have them in my pending file. I'm not going to... I'm not going to subject the congregation every weekend um, to be my therapy group for me to right. work angst out with. 
I am going to be authentic and vulnerable. I talk about depression. I don't just talk about it generally. I talk about my own experience with clinical depression and how I could edge back into that. You know, I'm not experiencing that, but I know that I have that potential. So I try to be as open and honest as I can without turning the public gathering into some kind of cathartic experience yeah, sure. for me, which yeah. I think, frankly, is self-indulgent. Yeah, I it's would agree. Painful. I would agree. It's probably why I had to leave the church. I couldn't, do, I couldn't subject the church to that either <laughs> at that particular stage of my life. Uh, listen, Jeff, I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, but I know you had a two-hour Zoom before this. <laughs> I kind of feel like I want to let you go and have a glass of wine and relax. But I'm so grateful to you. I came across this quote the other day from um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heskel. Is it Heskel? Heschel? Heschel, I think it Heschel. is. Yeah, yeah. And he, he said this, was this effect. He said, when I was young, I admired clever people. He says, now that I'm old, I admire kind people. So... Um, I just wanted to say, listen, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks for the books. Thanks for the honesty. And thank you for taking time out of what I know is a really busy day to speak to me on the Midfaith Crisis podcast. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. God bless. Uh, it's been lovely. Bless you, mate. Tell mate. So there we go. Jeff Lucas uh, and Joe mm. Davis in conversation. Mm. Mm. I know. Very good. Loads of good stuff in there, I think. Oh, man, so much um, good stuff. Mm, I lo- loved his stuff at the beginning about uh, prayer being gratitude and complaining. And I, yes. I, I thought that was really good. You know, I'm part of a Facebook group called The Grateful Group, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's an an- antidote to all the cynicism and moaning and complaining that goes on on Facebook. It's great. You know, people just put... Yeah, they just put down what's on their heart they're grateful for and all sorts of things. It makes you feel good. But but equally, I suppose I think that, you know, in between, you know, counting your blessings, which is a really great spiritual blessing, mm. what, what is the genuine place for lament? You know, and I, I mean, lament, lament can look like grumpiness, but, you know, I think we, we both know we don't want to turn into just cynical, grumpy old people. But like, what is the proper way? And I ask myself this question constantly. How do you process properly the negative side of life? Mm. You know, and have that healthy balance of like deep gratitude on the one hand, because loads of great stuff is going on, but also acknowledge, um, yeah, well, lament. How do you do that? Mm. I mean, because our songs, generally speaking, in churches are pretty one-sided, aren't they? Yes, and I I think more and more people are talking about this. I think it was something that, Mm. that, you know, was raised a while back, and I I think a lot of people are talking about it. I think it comes down partly to what he was talking about in terms of the honesty, you know, Mm. that, that, you you know, admitting the the fragility Mm. and the brokenness. And and, uh, I like that line about how, you know, pastors confuse being an example with projecting an image. Oh, wasn't that good? There's yeah. a, it's a great line, and yeah. and I think it's about having the honesty and vulnerability and uh, to, to be able to do that. Because I think a lot of times, actually, I mean, what? How are you going to process loss and lament? You know, it's, yeah. you, it's not a sausage that you kind of just go yeah. through the system and come no, out no, all. Exactly. You know, it, 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 I mean, it, 
some of it will never fully get processed. Mm. So you, you and because there is no way of finally dealing with it. But I think it's just you've got to be honest about that. So I, I really think yeah. that that is helpful for people. Uh, and and those two disciplines of of gratitude and moaning, if you like. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I really like that, and I really like this stuff about um, the gift of disillusionment. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that wonderful? It's a gift. It's a precious thing. Which is really, you know, this podcast. Not only is it theoretically about the gift of disillusionment, but each uh, each episode, I like to think, is a disillusioning <laughs> moment as well for everyone who listens. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure people come at it with hopes, and then those are shattered. And but each episode is a precious gift of disillusionment moment. Yeah. No, but it is a, yeah, it's a great. Exactly. I think that's a great image, really helpful image. Yes, I, I think it really turns it round, and I think it sort of it shocks people into a new way of reframing disillusionment because normally if someone comes to you and go you know they are in that kind of lamenty complainy kind of oh i just don't know what to think or oh, this is rubbish or you know what a what mm. the hell is this all about now and you go wow what a gift you know mm. you, you've reached a disillusionment stage that's a yes, that's a nudge yes. that's a nudge to move on a bit and a bit deeper and to yeah yeah I like it i also liked his thing about you know when he was saying that People say prayer is a conversation. No, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Took a little bit of boldness. And it it sort of took us back to the heart, I think, of what we're often talking about. About, you know, is God a person and a really loving, wonderful person? Or is God more of a kind of force which feels a bit impersonal? And, you know, this this we constantly surface around this, don't Mm. we? Or sorry, circle around this, you know, kind of. You know which is it, and and the answer, of course, is yes, God is. You know, and it's, mm. but um, certainly at different times, I think you experience the divine differently, and I think there are moments of intimacy where God can seem really, really close and like a, yeah, like a a, a loving person with you, and other times very, very distant and yet not absent, but just not the same. Well, look, that's an entirely biblical view as well. There's a bit in Isaiah saying, our God is a hidden God. Mm. You know, they just open up to it. But we don't like those verses because we want, prefer the ones where, you know, God is a great big pillar of fire or, you know, whatever, yeah. a pillar of smoke, where he's much more visible. Yeah. And yet those are the ones that actually cause us more problems, you know, the, 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 the mm. fact that he's not visible in those. Words. I always remember um, my... Uh, my uh, beloved wife coming home from church one day really, really annoyed. And, and I said, what, what are you annoyed about? She said, that song, prayer is like a telephone. You know, the children's song. And she, do you know that prayer is like a telephone? You pick it up and co- speak to God. And she goes, no, it isn't. It flipping isn't. It's nothing like that. Brilliant, and ever yeah. since then, I've thought, oh, yeah, that's right. It's nothing like a conversation. <laughs> It's not like a telephone. At best, it's like an answer phone. You know, <laughs> yes, exactly. And at worst, it's like being stuck in customer service for four years. But, you know. <laughs> These are all great metaphors, which I they hope are. Will, will surface in a new song. And, and didn't, I mean, Jeff, Jeff is such... When I first saw Jeff many, many years ago, yeah. uh, we, we used to work together on the youth programme of Spring Harvest and stuff like that. Yeah. I always thought then that what Jeff was was a fantastic stand-up comedian. Yeah, a fantastic observational stand-up yeah. comedian. Yes, and he is brilliant. With a with 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 sort of depth, he's got more depth actually over the yeah. years. But yeah, but um, but 
and so there were some really funny and great lines in that. I I loved um, theological herpes. You know, the idea of theological herpes. And just that line about, you know, confusing God with chicken tikka masala. Am I hearing from God or is <laughs> yeah, it chicken tikka? Exactly. Just just great. Yeah. He's a he's a he's, a really great communicator. Yeah, he is. He's good. And and actually he'd he'd be I think I think we should make him a kind of ambassador for the podcast, really. I think he should t- share our podcast everywhere because because actually he has been doing and that, I think that was true what I was saying in he's been doing what we've been doing in a sense, but he's been doing mm. it a lot longer. You know, that thing at the end where he said to people, hold your ner- nerve, be honest, you know, interrogate mm. your beliefs. Yeah, mm. well, that's, mm. yeah, exactly. That's what we've been doing here. Yeah. All along. So many Great. thanks to Jeff for that. Yes, and thank you for doing it in the midst of a, a very busy week. Yeah. And thank you for popping up to do this in the midst of your, well, waking up to do this. In fact, I, in I woke up to your, do it. Yeah. Your holiday as well. <laughs> and uh well thank yeah, you for we'll be back. pushing through the pain in order to do this do you know what i it's so good of you to notice because yeah i didn't think i'd no, made it at no. all visible <laughs> yeah we'll be back next week i guess yeah i suppose we will great yeah might as well not not doing anything else thanks for listening and do write in with your comments joe at mm. midfaithcrisis.org 